Is This a Ghost is brought to you by Pick Me Ben Distillery. Now, we keep saying this, but now it's really, ha- it, now Thanksgiving is really getting close. Mm-hmm. It's almost here. It's uh, about a week away uh, as the as the listener flies. Pat, what are you thankful for this year? Oh, I mean, I'm thankful for our continued uh, unwavering support from Pinkney Bend. Um, yeah. Obviously, that, it's, that's the big one. That's the big it one. is a big one. That's surprising. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is surprising. They got the determination of Christopher Columbus over there mm-hmm. forging across the yeah. ocean. And second would probably be, I guess, my kids. Yeah, but in that order, right? Yeah, that's what, that's what I said. Okay, good. <laughs> Unlike your kids, Pickney Bend is not tied to you by blood, and so that's um, that's a really important bond. So thank you to Pickney Bend for for for, for not getting see. So last week we talked about fascist uncles. The week before mm-hmm. we talked about um, smallpox. So um, and we haven't we haven't heard any negative things from them. Yeah. So I mean, we're again we're we're, we're those two little velociraptors testing the fences, and we. <laughs> I haven't found a hole yet. No, I can't wait to find what next week brings. <laughs> um, but we are grateful for Pickney Bend Distillery, and we want you to be grateful for them as well. We think you would really like what they've got to offer. So you can check them out, P-I-N-C-K-N-E-Y-B-E-N-D.com. Now, they don't ship um, anywhere, <laughs> and that <laughs> that's challenging, but that's not their fault. That's the state of Missouri's fault. Mm-hmm. That's Governor Parsons' fault. And so we encourage you to write letters to Mike Parsons mm-hmm. and, uh, and let him know that you think that Pickney Bend should be available outside of state mm-hmm. lines. And um, that might work. Yeah. Let him know how many tens of dollars you're willing to spend to ship whiskey out of his state. Yeah. I yeah. bet, I bet, I, I bet if, he gets, if he gets a few of those letters, he'll, he'll change his mind. He's, it's he, possible. He's not very busy. No. He's, <laughs> no, he's not, he doesn't do much. So, uh, but thank you to Pickney Bend and go try out their gins. They're some of the best in the world. And there's some, I'll tell you this, they're the most, most patient distiller probably, I guess, ever in terms of, uh, ad reads, et cetera. <laughs> and that's, so, and, 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 you know, in, in the, in, in the, in the world of distillery, patience is the name of the game, you know? That's right. So, that's right. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, they're getting, you're getting the good stuff mm-hmm. when you're getting someone as patient with their alcohol as they are with us. <laughs> so, <laughs> so check out Pickney Bend and, uh, and we are grateful. Thank you. Thank you, Pickney Bend for your <laughs> support. Boy, that'll be just fine. Pretty good. everybody welcome back to is this a ghost i'm clayton smith and every week i tell a real ghost story from real history to my real friend patrick dean who uh, looks great i i feel look normal and great i feel exactly how i look i feel like i <laughs> i i feel like i'm on some sort of like a like a steroid regimen maybe is uh-huh. what it kind of looks like like the super puffiness except yeah uh this is all just swollen jaw here just like so you're no stronger no, I'm much less. I am as weak as a kitten at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So if anyone wants to kill Patrick, this is your opportunity. Mm-hmm. You're never going to get a better chance than this. Yeah. Unfortunately, we record these a week ahead of time. So by now you're fucked. So. Yeah, but you're still weak when you get healthy. So that's, not, that's, that's not going to okay. be a whole lot different. <laughs> I'm as weak as like a, like a large kitten in a week, you know. Mm-hmm. Sorry, you said in a week, like in seven days. And I thought you meant week w-e-a-k and i was waiting for you to say oh, more sorry. words in that sentence and then you took a drink of water <sighs> this, this is going this is good yeah 
<laughs> I'm really excited how, how this is going right now. I love the Stone Sober episodes. We should really have like a whole anthology of the Stone Sober episodes. Well, this is only Stone Sober episode for you. I just want to reiterate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've made some you've made mm-hmm. some decisions. I'm not going to say they're bad decisions because mm-hmm. I think your health is important. However, I do think uh, if you were really committed to the podcast, mm-hmm. you'd find a way to just shuttle the alcohol straight into your throat <laughs> and bypass the teeth. I did have an um, IV no in yesterday. I should have just said, you know what? Can you leave this? Can I? I'll come back. I'll come back. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> but I really <laughs> need. I, I need like I need like thirty six hours with this yeah. thing, and then I'll bring it back. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So you know there were there mm-hmm. were there were potential solves mm-hmm. to this problem, and you chose none of them. Mm-hmm. That's fine. And now you are sober doing a, a show. Yeah. Well, <sighs> we'll get through it. <laughs> Boy, this is the episode where we lose one thousand listeners. <laughs> you had surgery this week, yesterday. Yesterday, right? yeah, twenty four hours ago, I had uh, a very high percentage of my teeth taken out. <laughs> like more than five percent. Uh, how many teeth are you supposed to have? Hang on, seven. Let me Google it. Let me because I don't know. Seven or eight. How many teeth should you have 30 28 32 and okay you're supposed to have and 32 hang on there's a lot of math going on on this web page (laughs) okay you're supposed to have 28 okay so i had six take no 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 you're supposed to have 32 (laughs) sorry supposed to have 32 teeth yeah right and then you can have some of them taken out if they're if it's getting too busy. So and you had thirty. You had six taken out of thirty. No, you, but you had thirty-eight. I had thirty. No, I no. See, that's where it gets tricky. I had thirty. Yeah, it is tricky. I had thirty-four. I had thirty-four <laughs> teeth, and then they took six of them away out. Gosh, you know what? That is eighteen percent. Is it? Yeah. So that's a that is a high. Isn't that's that a, a high, high percentage? percentage? Yeah. Wow, that's almost a fifth of your teeth. I know, right? Wow. <laughs> Appreciate the quick math on that. Unless I'm just really heavily drugged up and you didn't do that quickly and it's been a while. I got the, I have my, I was waiting <laughs> on my calculator. Um so which drugs are you on? No, oh, just you on the fun ones or the boring ones? No, just the boring ones currently. Just the boring ones. I didn't really want to turn into like a like a Jason Isbell song, so I decided not to <laughs> not to do the fun ones. Jason Isbell is popular and that could have really helped our podcast. <laughs> well tune in next week because I might just find <laughs> find where my wife hid the bottle of pills. Okay, so this is going to be a good night to do this. Mm-hmm. Don't forget, I'm stone sober because I'm not allowed to drink for another several days. Well, what is allowed to mean? You know, like what does that mean? Uh, can... The I don't want to get like an infection, I guess. Yeah, so you're allowed <laughs> to. Yeah, yes, true. Yes, I am allowed to. Like cosmically, okay. yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're in like... charge of your own future. Yes. Uh, um, but medically, well, do you want me to... medically not so much. Sure. Sure. Do you want me to send you my notes and then you can read the story and I'll react? Uh, I'm, this is my second. I'm, I'm two drinks in. No, no, no. It, it's <laughs> it's going gonna, it's gonna to work good this way. It's going to work really well, I think. Sounds like it. I hope. Your voice sounds normal. It probably sounds really good. Can you t- can you see how much bigger my jaw is? I don't have like it's a... It's quite... It's large. I don't have you like suddenly, a fisheye lens on. This is just how big my jaw is now. You know what? Now you've got that Charles Ingalls energy that you were looking for a couple weeks ago. I re- maybe you Charles- should have had this done before Halloween. Yeah, well... 
You got that broad jaw. <laughs> it's it's funny you mention that when it, when I called the place and I was like, oh hey, I need to get my wisdom teeth taken. I got a referral from whatever. Uh, they were like, oh, um, sure. It looks like we actually, if, if you're interested, we, this is back in October. If you're interested, we have an appointment at, uh, eight o'clock tomorrow morning. I said, Ooh, I'm actually not emotionally <laughs> prepared to do this. I was hoping you were going to say like next year sometime. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing when you're 58? Yeah. Would exactly. that be a good time for you to come in? No, it's probably a good time for me to tell you, I don't want to do this. <laughs> I think that's probably why they usually they probably keep like a slot open every day for people like you because mm-hmm. they know yeah. that the longer the longer the the window between <laughs> your scheduling and the actual the actual event that's mm-hmm. you're gonna the the likelihood of you canceling yeah becomes greater and greater every day with the as the fear increases mm-hmm. absolutely so absolutely. like come in right now mm-hmm. come in right now let's yeah. get it over with mm-hmm. yeah well and in, in, in that way you can also you can also uh, you also catch those impulsive tooth pullers too be like you know what. I'm tired of this tooth right here. You know what? Yeah. You know what? Take all of them. Yeah. Fuck it. I get I, I get a free morning. Sometimes I think that maybe rather than going to the dentist every like six months or whatever and like getting cavities filled and all that stuff, mm. I wonder what it would be like to just have all your teeth mm-hmm. just root canaled and and, uh, and capped mm-hmm. yep. and just, just bionic teeth. Mm. I want Joe Biden teeth. That's, whatever he's got going on, that's what I want in my <laughs> mouth. <laughs> they look great and I bet they do not ding for shit. <laughs> <clears throat> that's that's what my dad did he did, as soon as he retired the one present he bought himself was pulling all the fucking teeth out of his head really <laughs> that was it he was like i've dreamed of this for 20 years i'm like that's a weird say, dream that's it a is really when weird... you're when you're younger it seems like a weird thing to, yeah. to think about but now like the older i get the more i'm like i don't know man yeah let's just make these all fake george washington <laughs> really had it he had yeah. it right <laughs> um well, this is good. So you are ready to do a podcast. I didn't say that, but I am here. <laughs> okay. <I'm> present. <laughs> what are you drinking? Water. It's just water. <laughs> just, just trying to wash down all my fluids right now. <laughs> Great. Because if you, if I, earlier today, I, I kind of was sitting on the couch watching a TV show. That was a TV show I'd watched yesterday as well, but I was sedated yesterday, so I didn't remember any of it. So mm-hmm, I watched it again mm-hmm. today. And like an hour into it, I thought to myself, there's a lot of blood in my mouth. That's not right. So, <laughs> Well, it was an immersive experience because you were watching uh, I was Invincible, watching, right? I was watching Invincible. And yeah, it was, so, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was a very 4D experience. I'll give you that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I felt like J.K. Simmons was right here punching mm-hmm. me in the face the whole time. It was awesome. <laughs> uh, do you have, you have stitches in your gums? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All over. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Your tongue keep going like this? Yeah. Well, because, you know, because for my whole life, I've not had stitches in my mouth. And so mm-hmm. today I do. And so my tongue is like, these these don't belong here. This is so. Sure. I keep thinking there's like something stuck in there or, you know, a hair or whatever. Um, so that's a really unpleasant experience. So thankfully the drugs are helping out with that as well. Now, you know that most people get their wisdom teeth pulled like, I don't know, two decades earlier mm-hmm. than, than you've done That's it. That's correct. That's correct. My parents, Did, my, my parents' excuse was, well, your sister needed braces. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and they said, and I quote, I shit you not. And, you know, she's a girl, so that stuff's kind of important. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. That's fine. Yeah, that's cool. That's so how is your self-worth? Uh, I mean, I feel better now that those, you know, hideous wisdom teeth are pulled out of my head. Jesus. So, and how are Kelly's teeth? 
flawless. Actually, no, her, her teeth are garbage. She, she <laughs> I think she, I, I think she has twelve molars, and only two of them are like not crowns or not pulled or not full of fillings. So, but then again, I think she's doing it right. Crowns, uh, her mm-hmm. way to go. Mm-hmm. That's way to go. So, well, mm-hmm. money well spent. Yeah, clearly, <laughs> flush that down the toilet. Oh boy. Well, do you want to hear a ghost story? We'd love to hear a ghost story. Too bad, because first we have, <laughs> I have news. I have exciting news. Hmm? We have a brand new sponsor for the podcast. What? Yes, this week, Patrick, God. Is This a Ghost is also brought to you by Smart Labels. And I know what you're asking yourself. What are Smart Labels? And why didn't Clayton tell me about this in advance? And do they also pay in whiskey? And I have answers for both, all of those things. No, they don't. <laughs> But they are great. Smart labels is, uh, it's what it sounds like. It's labels that are pretty smart. And uh, I'm very excited about them. So here's what, here's what, here's how it works. Mm-hmm. You get smart labels in the mail mm-hmm. and they are, they're stick, they're color coded QR code stickers okay. that you can take and you can label things with them. Okay. Right. Like dog, like label cat, stuff. Yes. oldest child, you ever youngest like, child. I lose my dog. Uh-huh. I lose my youngest child a lot. I mm-hmm. would like to keep track of them. Okay. Put the labels on them. Or or uh, if you're a normal person, you could also do like Halloween decorations and Thanksgiving decorations. Uh, for your totes. This is for your totes. For your totes. This uh, is for your totes. Okay. For those. This for, is for your totes. Yeah. Or for your luggage that you use, uh, you know, once every three years. Mm-hmm. And you're like, where is that? Where is that cool suitcase? Where's mm-hmm. the cool suitcase that the wheels haven't fallen off yet? Mm-hmm. You can put a smart label on there. And here's how it works. You put the smart label on, on mm-hmm. the box mm-hmm. with all your stuff inside. Mm-hmm. You scan the QR code with the smart labels app. Mm-hmm. And then you can enter all the items that are in there. You can take pictures of the things in there. Mm-hmm. You can take pictures of where you put the box. Mm-hmm. So if you're like, is this in the attic? Is it in the garage, in the basement? You will know because you can look and you can see the picture. Here's And it's great because a year from now, you put your you put your stuff in the attic. <laughs> and a year from now, you're like, where did I put the... Where did, where is the where is the 12-foot tall pumpkin? <laughs> I can't find the 12-foot tall pumpkin. You can go to your phone and open the app and just type in 12 foot tall pumpkin mm-hmm. and it will show you exactly where the box is. Mm-hmm. It will show you what the box looks like. It will show you um, where in your house your box is and you will go straight to your box. You will never lose another thing again. Mm. Time saved. I like this. Time, quite a quite a bit of time mm-hmm. saved. Uh, they sent me some. I didn't tell you this because I didn't want you to be jealous, but they you did send me shit? some. Come on. I, but I'm saving you some stickers. Don't worry. <laughs> Your Christmas present is going to be two pages of these stickers. Uh, but see, um, I'm going to lose them before I can put them on anything. Yeah. And that's why I didn't tell be, you. Off the bat. That's why I didn't give you all of them. It's going to be a real gift of the Magi. <laughs> it's going to be, uh, you'll get some, don't worry. It's going to be great. Just in time Can't for wait. Christmas. Mm-hmm. To put your Christmas decorations away, but I, I have, I, we put our, we used them for our Halloween decorations. We put them away a few weeks ago, and um, and now I know where everything is. And Aaron was like, "Well, I don't really, do we need that?" And I said, "Aaron, name a Halloween decoration." Mm-hmm. And she named, uh, she named the 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 wreath for the front door. We have mm-hmm. a very cool black witch's wreath for the front mm-hmm. door. And I typed in witch wreath, and it showed her a picture of where in the attic the box was with the witch Shh. wreath inside of it. Whew. And she said. Oh, I get it. This yeah. is great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, it is a truly handy thing. It's really great. It's super simple. And just it's a thing that I didn't know I needed until I had it. And I'm very excited about that. So um, you can check out Smart Labels. You can go to their website if you want. It's qrsmartlabels.com. Or it's just as easy for them. You can go to Amazon and just search Smart Labels, one word, and you'll find it. It's color-coded Smart Label stickers. They're great. Super helpful. Uh, I've already proven it to my wife that it's worthwhile. Um, so you know it's good. You know it's good. Any questions? No, I'm just I'm excited. I get my smart labels. I'm gonna. I'm already planning out 
what I'm going to label. So please do, yep. please do, because I think you're gonna. I think there's uh, there's 16. You're gonna get 32 labels. Okay. So you can label 32 things. Okay. You've got three kids mm-hmm. and one wife. Mm-hmm. So you've got so 28 point, yeah. things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and coincidentally, that's how many teeth I have left. So <laughs> ooh ooh, <laughs> real Sophie's choice. <laughs> But check them out at QRSmartLabels.com or just go to Amazon and search Smart Labels One Word. You will find them. They are great uh, and you need them in your life. And now, Patrick, do you want to hear a ghost story? Now, yeah, finally. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> can't say that. Can't say that coming out of an ad for our brand new sponsor that's paying us money. Uh, do you fall asleep? Mm, nope. 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 Are you, Still podcast. You're ready, for a, you're ready for a story, right? You were silent for a really long time. I was looking at my notes. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm ready. Are you ready? Born ready. Okay. Doesn't look like it, but I will take your word for it. Uh, I want to I start off by saying thank you to my friend Ben Wallace for recommending this story. Ooh, I like Ben. Ben is great. Mm-hmm. And Ben uh, Ben is he's, not only does he... Re- what? Yeah, he, he's, he's very bad at code names. I just want to make that clear. He's really bad at code <laughs> names. <laughs> well, we did, uh, we did demolish Ben at code names. That's true. <laughs> he was playing with his son. So mm-hmm. I feel like he couldn't be as free as he wanted to be maybe with, uh, mm-hmm. with his and clues. Who made that so, and who made that choice? Well, that, mm-hmm. and that's true. That's well, true. That You know what? You made mm-hmm. a good point. You circled all the way back to a good point. Mm-hmm. Um, ben is great. And he... he, he <laughs> He sent me an article that was titled um, Famous Writer's Ghost No Longer Haunts Landmark New York Hotel. Here's why. And I thought, this, what? this is great. Okay. So, <laughs> Sounds kind of like the opposite of a ghost story. Correct. So mm-hmm. what we're doing today is a little bit of a departure. I'm mm-hmm. going to tell you, I'm going to tell you a story about a ghost that has been solved. How do you, how do you like solve a ghost or do you like well, finish you can, their business form or how, how does, how exactly, that's okay. exactly right. Yes. Oh, right. <laughs> you finish their business. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You, now, this you, is a, you exact revenge for them. You know, you, correct. you kill their killer, you murder whoever they need. Yes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You have blood on your hands mm-hmm. and that frees them. Now this is good because for the last, you know, like a year and a half or so we've been talking about how it seems to be that uh, if you just will finish a ghost business, mm-hmm. they will stop being a ghost. Sure. And here, finally, we have actual evidence from uh, the very recent past about that happening. Are you ready? Oh, absolutely. Dorothy Rothschild was born in, gosh, 1893. Her parents were Jacob Henry Rothschild and Eliza Annie Mm -hmm. Rothschild. I guess Annie was a middle name. Annie. Okay. Yeah. Why not? Does she always go by... Eliza Annie? Probably. Okay. I would. Like a like a serial killer. Yes. <laughs> Eliza Annie Rothschild serial. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, it, did, did you ever wonder growing up like why they did that? Like every, every serial killer had three you names. You know what? I did wonder. And then there was a time when I knew the answer. I knew why. Oh, is it? Do you know? You know why, right? Yes. You're asking me because you, can I take a, can I take, please. Can I take a, please take a, a guess at my own memory? Absolutely. Is it because they wanted to make sure that people who had the same first and last name weren't confused with them? Bingo. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. That makes a lot of sense. Yep. Yeah. So if there's another Clayton Smith, yeah. it's like, well, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> it's not Clayton Randall Smith, right? <laughs> uh, um, that would be a bad look for me. 
Yeah, I'd be like, some guy named Clayton Smith just uh, killed a bunch of people. Um, I think we're going to go through this neighborhood and find all the Clayton Smiths. We're going to kill all of them. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, it's funny. I think, well, it's not funny. I think there is actually a Clayton Smith who was a murderer in like the 90s. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you Google your own name sometimes. Sure, of course. See what comes and up. And the most prominent Clayton Smith that comes up is, if I remember, it's been a long time since I've done this, but I think it is actually someone who um, <laughs> who was a murderer. <laughs> not a serial killer, though. Uh-huh. And so there's no middle name attached to it. Mm, yeah. So I really got fucked on that one. <laughs> Uh, dude, either do it or don't do it. I mean, it's, right. this, this <laughs> right. in-between right. shit is not benefiting either of yeah. us. Yeah, what are we doing here? <laughs> uh, it's a lot better. I, I, my, uh, there used to be a Patrick Thomas Dean on the no-fly list in the U.S. That was not oh, fun. no. That was not a fun year to go through. <laughs> not being able to check in online for anything, not being able to check luggage, having to get to talk to TSA every single time I went to the airport. Uh, all because, some, you know, some guy probably got drunk on a flight to Newark. And got us yeah. both into a lot of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> and was it you? Maybe. I don't, hard to say. I, yeah. I mean, it's, I don't have a lot of I've seen you on flights to Newark. <laughs> this is a, we're making a really good case for naming your child Apple. And I hate that. Mm-hmm. But uh, now suddenly it makes a lot of sense. Or you can name your child like Lee Harvey Oswald. Either way. <laughs> I guess you could. <laughs> if you wanted to. Uh, it'd be so funny. Yeah, 1940. Very popular name among children. Lee Harvey Oswald. <laughs> but... By 1971, yeah. down to zero. Really, really I mean, fell was, off. Yeah, huh. it's in that uh, we put it in the Adolf Hitler category. <laughs> uh, Not a lot of those anymore. Was it Adolf Hitler? Or Adolf Lee Hitler? <laughs> mm, good. That's f- it's good to be fair. Good mm-hmm. question. Thank you, Adolf yeah, Lee. Adolf Oswald Hitler. <laughs> okay, so we're two lines into the notes. So Dorothy was born. Oh, and fun. Here's a fun fact. Mm-hmm. One of Dorothy's. No, sorry. Mm. Yes. God, that toilet is so loud. So someone is running the sink and flushing the toilet right now, which is that feels like a waste of water. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to. Although I guess if you flush the toilet, you want to also wash your hand. You don't want to wait till the toilet's done to wash your hands. If I, so recall, if I recall correctly, though, it was the opposite order. I believe it was sink first, then toilet. Well, that is confusing. Now toilet continues. So, do they know which the function of each one? I mean, on a on a podcast about mysteries, it seems like this one is ripe for the solving. <laughs> Should we uh, take your equipment upstairs? Dad, what are you doing with the divining rod up here? Just go back in the bathroom. Just, Just go back. Yeah. <laughs> shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Anyway, so Dorothy, this is a fun fact that Dorothy's uncle Martin was a passenger on the Titanic. Oh, was a passenger? He didn't make it. Oh, it's a shame. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, Dorothy was born at her parents' summer beach cottage hmm. at 732 Ocean Avenue in Long Branch, New Jersey. Sounds nice. Now after she, yeah, it does sound nice. <laughs> after she was born, her parents are like, oh, no, we can't have a New Jersey baby. <laughs> so they <laughs> very quickly returned to their Manhattan apartment. Mm. Thank goodness. Mm-hmm. We've all been to New Jersey. Yeah. And uh, we all understand that choice. <laughs> So Dorothy Rothschild was raised in New York. Now, her mother died in 1898. It was just one month before Dorothy's fifth birthday. Mm. Her father remarried two years later. And it's widely believed that Dorothy hated her father Mm. and that he uh, possibly physically abused her. Mm. Okay. Also widely believed that she hated her stepmother, who she referred to as, quote, the housekeeper. (laughs) 
<laughs> I would say that pretty much that, that solves that little mystery right there. Yeah. She may not care for her as she refers to her as the housekeeper. Yeah. Now I will say in all fairness, her biographer disputes all this and says that she actually had a happy childhood. So everyone else says mm-hmm. terrible childhood. Uh, one, one person who was her biographer said actually good childhood. Hmm. So hard to say. We'll never know. Anyway, Dorothy was sent to Catholic school, mm. even though her father was Jewish and her stepmother was Protestant. Any questions? Mm, I mean, <laughs> do they have a good like STEM program or something? I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably. I assume it was a very good school. They had a lot of money for a while, mm-hmm. and this was during that period. Yeah. Who, who who hasn't sent their kid to a conflicting religion school because they have a you know good uh what's what's the what's the what's what's the scoring thing they do for for grade schools I can't remember the name of it now I'm just gonna let the dead air hang until That's, you figure I out really what you're talking it. about because I do not know <laughs> you have a lot more experience with this stuff than I do uh, but me I guess me I I send my child to a conflicting school is that is that what this is about? Me. Mm-hmm. Do you? Maple's in a Catholic school right now, which uh, I am also. I have that, but we don't. Well, you know. but yeah. again, you wanted to be a doctor. That's the only way it's going to work. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> uh, uh, yes, all doctors are Catholic, and that's well documented. <laughs> now, <laughs> so Dorothy goes to Catholic school. Now she <laughs> later on in life she said uh, that she was once asked to leave this school or to leave a class, I should say, after she referred to the Immaculate Conception as quote spontaneous combustion. Mm, I mean, <laughs> which is pretty good. <laughs> uh. Now her stepmother died in 1903 when Dorothy was nine. Mm-hmm. So the mothers are just. They're just dropping they're like flies. Dying. They're yeah. dropping flies. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, so we, we have a we have a potentially abusive dad, two dead wives. It's normal. Yeah, nineteen. This was like eighteen. Yeah, nineteen oh three. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dorothy should just be grateful she lived this long. Quite frankly, <laughs> given the track record. Of, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So you know, I don't know. I certainly don't want to uh, be sued for <laughs> for for uh, slander here. So we won't we won't draw any aspersions there. But mm-hmm. her stepmother died in nineteen oh three, and then her father got sick, and he had to stop working. I don't know what the sickness was, but he had to stop working. Mm-hmm. And at this point, they lost most of their wealth. Mm. Uh, so Dorothy dropped out of school and quote learned to rely on her smarts. Mm-hmm. Now her father eventually did pass uh, about in nineteen, I think nineteen thirteen, when she was eighteen years old. Mm-hmm. So now Dorothy's on her own. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, she's eighteen. I mean, she's oh yeah, she's an old bag. She's, I mean, she's and, a nine. She's a yeah, yeah. I say she's a she's a nineteen thirteen eighteen, which is uh, basic. She's she's pretty close to the nursing home. <laughs> so Dorothy wanted to be a writer when she grew up. And specifically, she was interested in poetry. Hmm. So after her father's death, she found some odd jobs to kind of keep herself uh, in in life, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just food odd, and stuff. Odd poetry jobs? Or? No. Thank uh, you for asking. Okay. No. She played <laughs> piano at a school of dance. Okay. Yeah. yeah before they had, uh, you know, um, Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> She played piano school dance in order to earn a living. And she but she did work on her poems too. And in nineteen fourteen she sold her first poem and she sold it to Vanity Fair magazine. Oh wow. 
So Big she's deal. a real deal. Yes. Clearly. Yeah. A few months later, she was hired as an editorial assistant for Vogue, which I think was owned by the same company as Vanity Fair at that yeah. point. Sounds, they, they're similar. Makes sense. Yeah. Hmm. And after two years at Vogue, she moved uh, She moved over to Vanity Fair as a staff writer. So she's moving up the ladder very quickly. Wow. Like a, like a, like a, like a Devil Wears Prada type uh, career arc here. I like this. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I think so. I've never seen that movie. It's What's a, it about? It's good. It's good. Uh, <laughs> I know Meryl Streep is real mean in it. Yeah. And she's Anna Wintour, right? Yeah. Anne Hathaway, I think, plays the... Uh, the, the assistant the assi- yeah it's like an assistant or something like that and just kind of gets abused the entire time very good movie I like sounds fun yeah sounds like a blast <laughs> check it out man speaking of the things that we watch because we don't get to watch things anymore because we have children mm-hmm. i started on my own because aaron doesn't want to watch it so i had a day off today so i was started watching um the fall of the house of usher oh what's that about it is about the fall of a house of uh, of Usher's. Usher, yeah. Like, do you know, like, do you like know the post? Theater. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> do you know the post story? Follow the House of Usher. Uh, is it, mm, not not closely. No, is it is, is that the one where like death shows up? That's the death of the Red Mask. Ah, okay. Then no, I don't know what it is. But um, this is so. It, but the whole show is based on all of Poe's stuff. This one is very loosely, very very loosely based on uh, on um, Follow the House of Usher, but. It works in all his work. So the mm-hmm. Red Mask. Oh, sorry. Red Mask of Death. Not Death of the Red Mask. Sorry. I've just embarrassed myself. Ugh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Red Mask of Death shows up. Like it's And all the characters are named different character names from all of Poe's work and stuff. So mm-hmm. it's all it's a whole thing. Anyway, it's by the people who did Haunting of Hill House. Oh, yeah. And Haunting of Blind Manor. Yep. And uh, two episodes in. And who boy. <laughs> Not what I was expecting. Real good. Pretty scary. Uh, lots of nudity. Which I was not expecting. Hmm. And this is. And when does this come on again? Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Do you need to go right now? And yeah, uh, I sh- and like so? yeah, I've, yeah, I have I've two eyes. We can do both these things. <laughs> anyway. But oh yeah, she moved to Vanity Fair. <laughs> and then in 1917, Dorothy meets a stockbroker named Edwin Pond. No, sorry, Edwin Pond Parker the mm. second. There was a line break there, and that really threw me. <laughs> <laughs> Edwin Pond Parker the second, mm-hmm. and they were married not long after they met. And this marriage didn't go great. Mm-hmm. They divorced in 1928, 11 years later. So they were, you know, was, they were together for a while, but um, they did eventually divorce. But when they divorced, she kept her married name for the rest of her life. So you may know her as Dorothy Parker, but not Dorothy. You do you? Not. I don't know. Okay, Dorothy Pond Parker. This is like, this is like an Annabelle thing, right? No, this is. <laughs> this is I mean, technically, her name would be Dorothy Pond Parker II. Well, I think Pond was his middle name. Oh, oh, okay. And I'm not sure the second transfers. I think it probably is on the end there. Amy's not Amy Thomas Dean, you know? So as far as I know, anyway, maybe she is. So, yeah, that's actually one of June's little jokes is that she will... She, she thinks everyone everyone in the house's middle name is Thomas. So <laughs> that's very good. That's um, very good. Yeah, she calls. Me. Okay, well, eggs on my face then. Mm-hmm. Well, like, uh, when do you think people stopped using the second and started using Junior though? Because the second, like, I don't know. Is it? Is, yeah, it's kind of weak. Is right? that a class thing? That sounds like a class thing. I I think it's a class thing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's how you know. That's why you know Don Junior is a real piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't go by Donald Trump the second. Yes. Correct. 
Uh, that's probably one of the things like, <laughs> like the like the plebes. They can't be they can't be expected to count. So you know <laughs> oh, they no, will no, continue. No. Certainly not in Roman numerals. They will continue being Edward Pond Junior 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 Junior. Edward Pond Junior's Junior is the next one, and so on and so forth. Anyway, Dorothy Parker, that rings no bells for you, probably, I guess. Not a one. A very, very famous uh, contemporary American author. Cool. <laughs> you know, early 20th century. I mean, what did she I write? mean just, just blisteringly famous. Really? What did she just, write? Uh, just a person that, uh, that, uh, that you should know, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. It, it, now, is, is she taught throughout, throughout a lot of like um, engineering curriculum? Is, is she... I, uh, I can't speak to that because I haven't taken right. that curriculum. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, my background mm-hmm. in uh, in journalism right. and marketing, which is the opposite, and yeah. writing uh-huh. uh, and teaching English and stuff. Yeah, uh-huh. we've done a lot of Dorothy Parker work in my in my sphere. Interesting. I'm uh, your sphere is like on the other side of my sphere, though. So that's the it's problem. completely different. Yeah, it's completely it's- different. <laughs> <laughs> Our spheres are like two planets that do not uh, do not crash together. No. Yeah. So anyway, Dorothy Parker is mm-hmm. very famous, and uh, this is this is Good similar to Annabelle last yeah. week, where you know when 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 I said Annabelle and you made no reaction, mm-hmm. and I'm sure people were just screaming. Mm-hmm. There are some people who uh, who heard Dorothy Parker and they went ah, and then um, it's just mm-hmm. it's so hard it's hard for me when you don't mm-hmm. when you don't react that way. You know, I got to stop putting big reveals in here, I guess, because you don't care you don't care about. Is them. she a jazz musician? Uh, no. Okay. What does she no. do? She's she just writes. She's a she writes. Okay, uh, a lot of poetry. Okay, uh, not not only poetry. You will you will know some of the things that she's worked on. Okay, we'll get okay. there. Okay. So um, Dorothy's career really takes off in 1918 when uh, a writer named P.G. Woodhouse went on vacation. Now I know you don't know who P.G. Woodhouse is either. Mm-hmm. I'm here to tell you he's fantastic. Okay. P.G. Woodhouse, I think uh, I didn't know this actually, but his name is Pelham Grenville Woodhouse. Yeah, it's, that's a classic short name right there. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he goes on uh, vacation. He's, he's and, British. Yeah, sounds super British. Um, he, yeah. go, he goes on vacation and this is an opening for, for Dorothy here? That's correct. Yes. Ah. Now Woodhouse, he's he's a really great author. Um, he's a humorist. He's very, very fucking funny. Like mm-hmm. if you like dry British wit, very good. He has a book uh, that I have in my library upstairs called Leave It to Smith. Smith with a silent P. And it's very uh, P S M I P S M I T H. It's very good, and he's great. Anyway, so Woodhouse. Uh, oh, oh, oh! This is important. This might ring a bell. He invented Jeeves, the character Jeeves. You know, like how uh, oh, Jeeves, the, the, idea of, the idea of Jeeves. Yeah, yeah. the butler, the, like the quintessential English mm-hmm. stiff upper lip uh, yeah. butler. Mm-hmm. Woodhouse invented that character interesting and it okay. became so popular people just started using that as kind of shorthand for mm-hmm. for for all jeeves's interesting that yeah. that's that that's one of those classic names where as soon as you name a kid jeeves. <laughs> oh his future like, is set <laughs> can you imagine sure. all, all, all the all the all the like the young adults that were you know at that time who were named jeeves mm-hmm. and were jeeves. doing doing like masonry and you know butchery and stuff like that and Everyone's like, oh, I heard you're a butler now, Mr. Jeeves. <laughs> hey, Jeeves. I'm gonna, hey, Jeeves. I'm going to murder that PG whatever the fuck <laughs> guy. Fucker Woodhouse. Uh, that's na- tough. I swear to God, I'll kill him. my name isn't Jeeves Harley, Harley Oswald. <laughs> <laughs> 
So at the time, P.G. Woodhouse was a theater critic for the Vanity Fair. Mm -hmm. And he had to go on vacation, as people do. And so while he was on vacation, Dorothy filled in for him. Mm -hmm. And her reviews were very popular. Hmm. So people were like, give us more Dorothy. Now, she didn't take his job, but... It was, they were so good that like, yeah, we'll find some, the readers like we need to, yeah, we need to, we need to find a place for her during this time. She became close with Robert Benchley and Robert Sherwood. Mm -hmm. I guess she likes Roberts a lot. Who doesn't? Are they famous as well? (laughs) Uh, Kind of. Yeah. So Benchley was a popular humorist. He won an Academy award in 1935 for his short film, how to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, is that the best thing? Expectations of cinema back then, very, very <laughs> low. Uh. Um, but then I found something even better. He is best known as the grandfather of Peter Benchley, who wrote oh, Jaws. Jaws. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. The name sounded familiar. All right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> now, now you're back in my wheelhouse here. Yeah. I, say, I love that you know who wrote Jaws, <laughs> but you don't know who Dorothy Parker is. <laughs> All right. Very good. Uh, and then the other Robert Sherwood mm-hmm. wrote the screenplay for Rebecca. You ever see Rebecca? I have seen Rebecca. Hitchcock. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Rebecca and the Bishop's Wife, which is a very popular movie uh, at that time as well, mm-hmm. remade by uh, Denzel Washington in during our childhood as the Preachers. Oh yeah, yeah, yep, yep, yep. That's true. Um, yep. Anyway, so the, yeah, they were they're kind of big deals too. So the three of these people, and this is important, three of them start meeting for lunch most days at the Algonquin Hotel. In New York City. Oh my gosh, these are like this is like a like a like a marvelous Miss Maisel type uh, yeah. type oh, lifestyle yes. here. Okay, that's right. If you can afford lunch at a hotel almost every day, mm. oh my god, you're really you're really something. <laughs> the Algonquin mm. is located at 44th Street mm-hmm. in New York, between Fifth and Sixth Avenues. Uh, still there, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then until recently, pretty haunted. Really. By the ghost of Dorothy Parker. Oh, makes sense. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. So the Algonquin opened in 1902. And at that point, single rooms cost $2 a night. Is that a lot? Now, I don't know. But I want you to know. I did look up how. So I I researched this on Friday. And I, I looked up. So as of this past weekend, can you guess how much one night in a room costs? Again, 1902, $2 a night. 2023, I'm going to guess $300 a night. $934 a night. That seems high. It seems awful Inflation high. is a real bitch. I mean, that's, <laughs> I'm sure that's like what a whole month's rent in New York costs. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get so much mail from New York. <laughs> uh, but yeah, about $1,000 a night for this hotel. Goodness. I can only imagine what lunch would cost. Can't be worth it, Mm-mm. but it was, and it is still. Mm-hmm. But it was then a pretty swanky spot. And in 1919, when Dorothy and the Roberts started lunching there, other contemporary writers wanted to join in on the fun, hmm. and so some of them started joining them. Mm-hmm. And so it became this whole like kind of almost everyday lunch group. Hmm. Soon there were a large group of regulars that came to be known as the Algonquin Round Table. Members of the round table included Franklin Adams, Alexander Walcott, Harold Ross, Edna Ferber, Haywood Braun, and Harpo Marx. Oh. Yeah, we got one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got one, everybody. 
Was he the silent one? I don't remember. <laughs> he was the silent one. Oh, so that's pretty boring. Sure was. Yeah. On t- uh, in movies and at the table. He was very boring. <laughs> Now this became something of a salon, like the classic, uh, the classic idea of a salon where mm-hmm. you get together and you, you know, share art. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would all share ideas. They would read excerpts from things they were working on. And Franklin Adams was a newspaper columnist, and he would sometimes publish parts of their conversations in newspapers in New York. Hmm. Seems a little bit dicey. Like you got to tell people you're going to do that, right? And I assume that he did, yeah. but I don't know for sure. <laughs> Once Dorothy returned from an extremely long trip to the bathroom, we began discussing... <laughs> the whole restaurant smelled rather foul, <laughs> but we didn't bring it up. Until now. <laughs> <laughs> Write us in, readers, and let us know what you think about that. Through So through the publicity that she got from those articles, though, Dorothy begins to develop a nationwide reputation as a... Very clever wit. Mm. So to to emphasize this for you, here are some ex, some uh, some very good quotes from Dorothy Parker. Uh, <clears throat> I hate writing. I love having written. Now that one resonates with me a lot. Mm-hmm. Writing is the worst, but like having written a book is very good. Mm-hmm. If you have any young friends who aspire to become writers, the second gra- greatest favor you can do them is to present them with copies of the Elements of Style. The first greatest, of course, is to shoot them now while they're happy. <laughs> I'd rather have a bottle in front of me than a frontal lobotomy. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. When asked if she was going to join Alcoholics Anonymous, she said, certainly not. They want me to stop. <laughs> <laughs> she said, money cannot buy health, but I'd settle for a diamond-studded wheelchair. And uh, let's see. I don't think I've wrote this down. There was one where maybe I wrote this down later, but there was one that is, I'm going to butcher it a little bit probably, but she's like, uh, martinis are tough after one martini. Uh, I don't feel great after two martinis. I feel good after three martinis. I'm under the table after four martinis. I'm under the host. (laughs) (laughs) And then, uh, maybe my personal favorite, you can lead a horticulture, but you can't make her think. (laughs) So she's having a lot of fun. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. (laughs) Good lunches here, obviously. Yeah. So people all over the country are falling in love with Dorothy Parker. And Chelsea used to say that the first thing I do in the morning is brush my teeth and sharpen my tongue. And she did indeed become very well known for having a very sharp tongue. Hmm. But the wit that brought her that fame didn't always work in her favor. On January 11th, 1920, she was fired from Vanity Fair because in her theater criticism, she had offended too many powerful people. Including, I have two names here. Mm-hmm. I think you could guess both of them: mm-hmm. Barnum and Bailey. God, good answer is absolutely <laughs> so wrong. <laughs> the guy that Hugh Jackman plays in Greatest Showman. I mean, that is Barnum and Bailey, isn't it? <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, I don't know anybody else. <laughs> sorry, I just spit my drink out a little bit. That's fine. Uh, Billy Burke. Name sound familiar? We did just talk about Billy Burke is in the Peg Entwistle episode. Oh, okay. She was the uh, actress who, uh, you probably remember what movie she was in, what role she played. Yeah. Yeah. She was, she, was she the one that played the lesbian? Nope. That was Peg. That was the star of that. Yeah. That episode. Mm-hmm. But Billy Burke was right. the actress who played. Oh, uh, in The Wizard of Oz? 
Boy, yep. Yeah. <laughs> she did play Glinda. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so Dorothy pissed off Billy Burke, and she also pissed off theater impresario, producer extraordinaire, director and writer mm-hmm. extraordinaire. William Sondheim. God, David Blasco. Okay. <laughs> also, who's William Sondheim? Isn't he the guy that did the Sondheim it's stuff? It's Stephen Sondheim. I'm sorry. Jesus you know what Christ. I meant. You know what I meant. Barely. <laughs> I barely did. <laughs> okay, we, we, we can cut back in Stephen Sondheim in the audio later. It'll be no, fine. I don't think we should. No. <laughs> no. I'm giving you no quarter on that one. Anyway, so yeah, Billy Burke complained about her. David Blasco complained about her, both mm-hmm. of which we've talked about in, in uh, previous episodes. Allegedly. And, uh, <laughs> okay. And she was fired. Mm. Robert Benchley, the, the humorist who grandfathered the Jaws writer, mm-hmm. he resigned in protest when she was fired. He said, fuck this. I'm mm-hmm. out. And they probably said, well. <laughs> yeah, which one are you again? Oh, the Jaws guy. Your grandson yeah. uh, <laughs> can hold a pencil. <laughs> Uh, and <laughs> I love this move. Robert Sherwood, the other Robert, he told people that he also resigned in protest, mm-hmm. but actually he had gotten fired a few <laughs> weeks earlier, <laughs> which is a very uh, good move. <laughs> uh, I've been waiting for an opportunity to get underneath of this. Oh, so lucky. Yeah, I also did that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh boy. Uh. But anyway, so after she was fired from Vanity Fair, this was, uh, this was, you know, upsetting for her, mm. but her career actually kind of exploded because in 1925, Harold Ross, which is one of the uh, Algonquin Roundtable members, mm-hmm. he founded a magazine called The New Yorker. I've heard of that. That one. That one. I know. Thank God. Yeah. Thank Christ, because yeah. I just I can't keep doing this with you. <laughs> so he decided to, to to create a new magazine, and Dorothy Parker is one of the founding editors. So she helped mm. establish a New Yorker. Huh. Over the next 15 years, she had pieces published in a lot of really big publications, mm-hmm. uh, some of which I hope you've heard of. Mm-hmm. The New Yorker, Vogue, yep. uh, Life, mm-hmm. yep. like McCall's. McCall, I know yep. that one. Yep. Okay. The New Republic. And uh, and also Vanity Fair, which hmm. is probably awkward. <laughs> but <laughs> Hey, if they're going to pay for it, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. She also published several collections of poetry, and her first was called Enough Rope. Is it enough rope to hang yourself? And the New York Times dismissed it as, quote, flapper verse, which I'll be honest, sounds awesome. <laughs> I cannot wait for the, Mar- for the Marvel Cinematic Universe <laughs> to be away from all this multiverse stuff and go back to flapper verse. Oh I think my we'll God. all be a lot happier. Everyone is just Jay Gatsby and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and Daisy Buchanan. God, mm-hmm. that sounds great. <laughs> Do you know who those people are? Yeah, from the great Gatsby. Okay, thank God. <laughs> just, I just don't know anymore. Well, because you said his name. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, so Dorothy also wrote a few plays, some of which had some success. Uh, she wrote she wrote acerbic book reviews for The New Yorker under the name Constant Reader. And <laughs> her, it's maybe my favorite thing of the whole show, her, her review for A.A., you know who A.A. Milne was? Yeah. Sure. Okay. What did A.A. A. Milne create? He, uh, right. Winnie the Pooh. Okay, good. Thank yeah. you. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Please, so please, did she have a scathing review of Winnie the Pooh? Uh, yeah, <laughs> she does. Her review for A.A. A. Milne's The House at Pooh Corner was, quote, content we'd have woed up. <laughs> and that is phonetic. 
<laughs> Which is so funny. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I died reading that. Oh. It's so good. It took me a while to figure out what the these aren't words, and then um, you know, and you sound them out, and they become re- the best words. Oh. I don't think it's intended for her, though, right? I mean, she's. I don't think she's yeah. the target audience. No, yeah. I don't think so. But she woke up. Mm-hmm. Uh. Uh, <laughs> in 1929, she won the O. Henry Award for her short story, Big Blonde. Hmm. And in 1932, she met an actor named Alan Campbell. The two of them were married, even though she kept her Parker surname. Hmm. She was very popular at this point. But uh, they were married. And after they were married, Dorothy learned that Alan was bisexual. And later stated publicly that he was, quote, queer as a billy goat. Are they really queer? I don't know. Mm, I mean, I have not previously been privy to any particular queerness from Billy Goats. Pretty normal to but me. I, yeah. Yeah. So you're saying that uh, queer people are abnormal. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Do you want to expound on that, Patrick? Is that the general? The, the, this whole the, show canceled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's either that or every Billy Goat is, you know, which means... That doesn't really work either. <laughs> That's true. It's, it's very confusing, I guess. Anyway, Campbell wanted to act and write for Hollywood, and Dorothy, of course, wanted to write. So mm-hmm. they they go they go out to uh, to Hollywood, and they signed a joint ten week contract for Paramount, mm-hmm. where they said we both work for Paramount mm-hmm. and we both get paid. And in this contract, Alan earned two hundred and fifty dollars a week, and Dorothy earned one thousand dollars per week. Nice. Hell yeah. Sugar mama. I like that. <laughs> it's amazing. I love that shit. Uh-huh. Now, they worked really well together. They earned uh, writing credits for over 15 films. One of them was the 1937 movie A Star is Born, mm. which won, gosh, Best Writing, uh, Original Story. It was nominated for Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Director, Best Assistant Director, Best Screenplay. Mm-hmm. Uh, for And Dorothy Parker was nominated as part of a screenplay. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. She also became a powerful advocate for civil liberties. She helped found the Hollywood Anti-Nazi League in 1936, hmm. which was good. I don't know if uh, many people know this, because I didn't know this until the last several years, but hmm. there was, the Nazis had um, German-American buns all over the country. Did you learn this? German-American growing up? what? Mm-mm. Like, they're called the buns, B-U-N-D-S. Oh. Oh um, yes, yeah, yeah. The, the big Nazi like, support groups, yeah, basically, yeah. like rallies, like mm-hmm. all over the country mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. before Hitler like really started going to town. Mm-hmm. And so Nazis were here all over America um, before World War II. And she she founded the Hollywood Anti Nazi League. Hmm. Good for she her. She said, "This is bad. <laughs> this is bad. I can see it's coming from a mile away. This <laughs> seems like <laughs> yep. real bad stuff, guys." Yeah, yeah. Nazis actually held a rally at Madison Square Garden mm-hmm. on uh, February twentieth, nineteen thirty nine. So it's it's a wild part of our history that we don't uh, typically learn in grade school or high school, mm-hmm. and we won't ever learn and it again. <laughs> we will not will not learn about uh, how it's repeating itself at all. Anyway, Dorothy fought against Nazis, which is awesome. Because of her ongoing fight against fascism, she was eventually listed, of course, as a communist by Joseph McCarthy. <laughs> uh. <laughs> you know, that's what we do. Mm-hmm. That got her on the Hollywood blacklist. 
Mm. So she could no longer work in Hollywood. Now, her marriage to Alan Campbell was tumultuous. Um, after they were married, she started drinking a lot more. Mm. He had an affair with a woman in Europe. Uh, that was that was problematic. They got divorced in 1947. They did remarry in 1950. They divorced again in 1952. <laughs> it's like, you know, listen to your heart, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she started drinking more and more, and her writing became, quote, erratic. Mm. So this is where things start to turn uh, to turn really hard. Now again, she's she's blacklisted from Hollywood, mm-hmm. um, and now she's having trouble finding places for her writing because her alcohol is becoming a problem. Alan Campbell died in 1963 from a drug overdose, and so Dorothy moved back to New York. She cobbled together work for a little while until she died from a heart attack on June 7th, 1967, at the age of 73. Hmm. And this is where shit gets wild. <laughs> so pretty soon after her death, and I want to, I, I really, I don't say this enough. So mm-hmm. every week uh, I put the sources for all these stories in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want to really call out one in particular here um, uh, this week. There was an article from, where is it? The New Yorker, mm-hmm. of course. Of all places. Of all places, of course, in New York. And it was, it's called The Improbable Journey of Dorothy Parker's Ashes. It's by Lori Gwen Shapiro. It's it's a wild art. It's so good, and it is insane. That's where most of uh, what's coming up comes from. Highly recommend you go check it out. Because this is we're going to talk about a lot of it, but boy, oh boy, it's wild. <laughs> so pretty soon after her death, Dorothy's ghost starts haunting the Algonquin Hotel. Hmm. And, and I do want to get, yeah, go ahead. She doesn't die in the Algonquin though, right? Correct. Yes. Okay. okay. Yes. And that's, that's a very good question to be asking. We're going to talk about that later. Okay. I want to get back to the whole ghost thing, but before we do, I want to, <laughs> so gosh, the circumstances of her death, of her, of her post death, mm-hmm. I guess I should say are, are so wild. She had named her friend Lillian Hellman as the executioner of her will. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, probably the executor of her will. I was going to say, I mean, <laughs> it seems like... I it, feel like this may be a It would be weird to use that, that title for two parts of the job, <laughs> you know. I'm the executioner. Which one? I have a law degree. Yeah. Oh. Oh. And well, an axe. axe. <laughs> That's right. Well, now I'm back to not knowing again. So, <laughs> sorry, the, ex, the executor of her will. Uh, but Dorothy called her the <laughs> executrix of her will mm. being that she's female. That's a little, uh, little funny joke. Mm. So she made her friend Lillian the executor, but when Lillian read the will, she learned that Dorothy had left her nothing. Oh, and she was very angry about that. But how, how can you be the executor of the will and you don't like preview it? How does that work? I don't know. That's a good. Question. I, I think you, that was I like part think of it. you have to, Maybe that was the I so I could just be like Patrick Dean mm-hmm. has to make sure yeah. <laughs> that all these things come to pass, and uh, like it or not, he gets nothing. <laughs> I wonder if it's like a like a, like a house guard in the hen house, like a, a fox guard in the hen house type thing. Where, like you can't see yeah. what you got to execute because otherwise you'd just be sitting there with white out, like nope, not going to do that, <laughs> not going to do that, not going to do that. This, 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 mm-hmm. this yeah, goes to changes. me. That yep. goes to me. Yeah. So. I don't know, but Dorothy left her nothing. She was very mad. 
she claimed that Dorothy must have been drunk when she wrote the will. Hmm. Now, this may have been true, but I don't know that it is legally important hmm. or not. And maybe it is. I don't. I, yeah. I do not know. I'm not lawyer. Mm-hmm. Anyway, what I do know is that Lillian then ordered all of Dorothy's things to be thrown away. <laughs> if I can't have her crap, no one can. Yep, exactly. Now, Dorothy had also requested a quiet cremation, but Lillian, again, was so mad, she basically said, fuck you, and she organized a very public memorial on the <laughs> Upper East Side. On a beautiful pike atop the Algonquin. <laughs> is that her head? Yeah. Ah! <laughs> Why is Lillian drinking yeah. the blood that's coming down from it? That's weird. Uh, worth noting, a court did eventually strip Lillian of her control over Dorothy's mm. estate. Yeah. But in her will, Dorothy left nothing to Lillian because she bequeathed her entire estate to Martin Luther King Jr. Oh. Okay. Well. Yeah. Good for her. Yeah. Now, upon learning that he'd inherited all of Dorothy Parker's worldly possessions, Mm -hmm. which included the royalty rights to her work, Mm -hmm. which are pretty lucrative, Mm -hmm. uh, King was baffled and said he had never even heard of Dorothy Parker. (laughs) Uh, She's dead now. (laughs) She's not like offended, but at the same time. Right. Doesn't do a whole lot for the royalties. That's right. (laughs) But in the will, Dorothy, I guess assuming, not assuming, I guess knowing that that King wouldn't know who she was, Mm. she had also made this, she'd written this line that said that if anything ever happened to King, Mm -hmm. her estate would then go to the NAACP. Oh, okay. Which in hindsight was very good planning because uh, 10 months later, Mm -hmm. Martin Luther King was assassinated at the Lorraine Motel in Memphis. Uh, and all of her assets did then go to the NAACP where, and they still, I think, control the rights of her work today. Hmm. Wild. I had no idea. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, I also did not. Now you didn't know who she was, so that makes sense that you yeah, didn't I, know. I, I didn't know anything yeah. about this story, to be quite honest. <laughs> First time I recognized Martin Luther King and he doesn't really last very long in this story. And we saw the Lorraine Motel, uh, last we year. Did. We That's did. We did. That is a hell of a memorial. It what they've is. done to that is yeah. really incredible. Uh, yeah, if you haven't been to the Lorraine Motel in Memphis, it's um, very powerful. Mm-hmm. They've taken the the motel and made it a museum, and they've done it. They've done a hell of a job. It's really great. Um, but Dorothy was cremated, and uh, that was fine. But no one ever came to collect the ashes, and so they just sat there on a shelf for years. And again, this is a very mm-hmm. popular, famous person. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure. But, like, I'm sure the people working in there probably took like a like a teaspoon home with them or something like that. what would you do with a teaspoon of a famous person's ashes i'd put it in a in a teeny tiny like film canister and put a little sticker on the top of it and i would just know like t4 later yeah (laughs) t4 when need powerful (laughs) dorothy parker ashes do not put into tea do do not drink yeah (laughs) now no one ever paid the storage fees so the the morgue is getting pretty upset Mm -hmm. and finally in 1973 the people at the crematory they they were just like, well, fuck this. They sent the urn to the address listed on her paperwork. Mm-hmm. Now, the address was for the office of her lawyer, Oscar Bernstein. But Bernstein had retired and his partner, Paulo Dwyer, had taken over. Paulo Dwyer did not know Dorothy Parker. See, uh, it's it's becoming more and more popular as the story goes on, people not knowing who Dorothy Parker is. I feel like I'm in good yeah, company. So here. you're, you're really, really riding the wave yeah. there. That's so true. Far, That's true. <laughs> So far, I got Martin Luther King on my side. And, and that's a big one. Yeah. That's a big get. And a blood-sucking lawyer, which doesn't help. Yeah. But <laughs> so, so Dwyer, he gets the urine, and he's like, I don't have to do with this. Mm-hmm. What do I do with this? Yeah. 
what would you do? Uh, what do you think you would do? What would I do with it? I mean, yeah. this is, a, again, our, we're assuming we don't know who this person is. Right. Right. So I mean, the- you probably know that she is like a famous person, but you don't find Maybe. her famous. Like, no. there's no Google, right? That's true. That's I true. I mean, if, 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 uh, if like a big canister of ashes shows up on my front porch, I'm not going to go down to like the library and like open up the card catalog <laughs> and be like, oh, I wonder if this is a famous author. I'm probably going to be like, this is a crazy person who accidentally had their shit shipped to my old retired lawyer's office and mm-hmm. now it's going in the can. That's where it's going. Trash. You would throw away ashes. I would absolutely. Yeah. I mean, what a about- human person's ashes mm-hmm. into the trash can. I have no proof this is an actual person. This could be an elaborate prank. It and I won't- did come from a crematorium. Maybe, maybe you call the crematorium and say, look, was this person famous or not? Okay. If no, well, if they say this person was a real person, if right. you know they are a real person's ashes, then right. what do you do? Do you still throw them in the trash? No, I probably. Well, but again, there's no Google. That's upsetting. There's no Google. So what do I do in this right. case? What do you do? So what do you do? What, what do you do? What What do you do? What year is this? Uh, 1973. Well, I put him in the bottom drawer of my desk, and I just bingo. <laughs> he put her ashes into a file cabinet in his desk. Okay, that is exactly what he did. We'll see. I'm he put them in a drawer. Feeling said, pretty good. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> done. That is a tomorrow problem. <laughs> so her ghost starts being seen at the Algonquin Hotel, mm-hmm. uh, right around this point. Mm-hmm. And we are going to talk about that more in a second. But I, I, I want to stay with the ashes for just a second because mm-hmm. it gets weirder. So in the early 1980s, so almost a decade later, an actor named Malachi McCourt comes to O'Dwyer's office. Mm-hmm. So the ashes are sitting in his desk for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Now Malachi is tell, talking to O'Dwyer. They're sh- shooting the shit. He tells a story about how he met Dorothy Parker at a party in 1961. He had made a pass at her mm-hmm. and she had totally ripped him apart mm-hmm. saying, uh, gosh, I didn't write it down, but she, there was some, damn, I can't believe I forgot the quote. Yeah. There is a quote. Read the article mm-hmm. that I referenced earlier. Mm-hmm. It's a great, it's a great burn. And he was like, oh, I loved that. I loved that she she didn't like me at all. <laughs> I loved her playing hard to get. And then O'Dwyer asks him if he wants to see Dorothy again. <laughs> this has been the longest buildup to a prank I have ever seen. Yes. Like, would you McCourt- believe? <laughs> and McCourt says, well, yeah, but I think she's dead. Mm-hmm. O'Dwyer goes to his desk. And he opens a file cabinet and he pulls out Dorothy's urn and says, so here she is again. (laughs) And McCourt says, oh my God, how are you, Dorothy? And And she says, they just make a joke. And then McCourt leaves after that. Mm -hmm. And O'Dwyer puts her back into the cabinet and leaves them there until 1988. (laughs) She's been there for 15 years. I mean, there's no other good, like, you know, prank opportunities have probably come up in that time. No, I'm sure this was, he was living for this moment, for sure. (laughs) Dorothy Parker, you say? Dorothy Parker. (laughs) Just just want to make sure I heard that right. Oh, my God. I'll be right back. I've been waiting for this. You're like like dragging furniture in the other room. What are you doing back there? You will be, you will love this. Just, 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 just. Keep it in mind. Just chill out. Just Just come on, come on. Yeah. Hang on, I got a couple of these things to go through back here. <laughs> I don't remember which one she's in, but Parker, hold on a second. Parker, Parker, Parker. Ooh, Parker. Yeah. God. So again, this she's a national treasure, mm-hmm. and her ashes have been in a file cabinet for mm-hmm. 15 years at this point. Mm-hmm. 
And now, again, she's haunting the Algonquin all this time, which we will talk about eventually. But in 1988, O'Dwyer is finally like, I, shit, I'm 81 years old. I should probably figure out what to do with these ashes mm-hmm. <laughs> before I die because people will ask questions. Yeah. <laughs> and he decides, which <laughs> this is not a good plan, but it is probably the exact plan I would come up with. He decides to hold a cocktail party at the Algonquin Hotel because it was a very important mm-hmm. hotel. And also, her ghost has been seen there. Mm-hmm. So he holds a cocktail party at the Algonquin, and he invites a lot of her, uh, a lot of Dorothy Parker's scholars. Okay, because there are bodies of work written about her work, right? Mm-hmm. So he, he invites all these scholars, and they all show up. They don't know why they're there, mm-hmm. except for like a Dorothy Parker themed cocktail party. Sure. And O'Dwyer then shows up. He sets her urn on a table and is like, "What do you think we should do with this?" <laughs> and they have some ideas one person says they should display the urn at the algonquin just like have it on a shelf there yeah makes perfect sense yep put up above like the the whiskey bottles and stuff yes exactly but the manager uh pops into the room he's like absolutely not (laughs) we're not doing dead stuff here no way do you know how expensive a liquor license is? Imagine how much a dead person license is. The liability on this is way too much. Mm-hmm. Not happening. We're going to have to charge people $934 yep. a night for a room if we do that. Come on. They didn't want me to mark it up from $2 to $3. What do you think I'd say when I'd say they want $932? They're going to say no. No, they're going to say no. Someone else offered to mix her ashes with paint and paint her portrait so she could live on. Seems like a pretty... Cheap way to do it. I wouldn't. Sure. I wouldn't hate that. Yeah. I think that's interesting. Yeah. Um, someone else suggested that she should be encased in a bar to honor her love of drinking. It seems feel. <laughs> yeah. Feels less right. You I know guess. what she loved doing? You mean the thing that contributed to her poor health and ultimate death? Yeah. 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 But she was so happy when she did it. <laughs> that's, that's how she went out, right? Let's, uh, uh, and one person got honest to God, this is a true story. One person did suggest wrapping her ashes in paper, uh, like cocaine and divvying them up among the crowd. Mm. So you could do what you want with them. So these people are all nuts. Yeah. obviously. And, <laughs> but one of the people at the meeting was Benjamin hooks, who was director of the NAACP at the time. And the NAACP had just moved their headquarters from New York to Baltimore mm. And he was like, well, we could take her. She left us all her stuff. Yeah. Like, we could take her. Mm-hmm. And O'Dwyer, I guess, is like, well, that's the least horrible idea I've heard all night. <laughs> so they did. They built a site for her burial in a grassy area next to the par- <laughs> God. In a grassy area next to the parking lot behind the NAACP's offices in Baltimore. So this is just a like a grassy spot in the alley. Somebody just yes. went out there with a spade and we're like, that is okay. absolutely what happened. Here you go, Dorothy. Yep. Cool. Yep. Thanks Thanks for all the residual <laughs> checks. Really. Yep. Yeah. I I don't know if it's better than a file cabinet, to be totally honest. <laughs> it's definitely not better than the paint idea. It's, <laughs> it's really insane. So, they, so that's what they do. Now, during this time of total dipshittery, Dorothy's ghost has been haunting the Algonquin Hotel. Mm-hmm. Um. The question has come up before, like, why is she here? She didn't die here. Mm-hmm. But the suggestion is these are the best years of her life. Like, this is where she loved to be, so it's where she wants yeah. to be in the afterlife. If you could pick, then that's where you'd pick, basically. Right. I mean, you're not, uh, some people do haunt where they die. Mm-hmm. Um, I assume her apartment alone is probably not her choice. Yeah. 
You would think so, apartment buildings would just be like swollen with ghosts at that point. So. Oh, it's got to be, especially in New York. Come on. Yeah. Come on. This is ridiculous. <laughs> uh, some ghosts uh, haunt the places where they're buried. Mm-hmm. You, what are you going to fucking haunt a lawyer's office where you're in the file cabinet? Be serious. <laughs> so, she, so she's at the Algonquin where she had the, the best years of her life. And her ghost has been seen there a lot. So she was seen walking through the hotel by all, basically like every guest who's ever stayed there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> seen Dorothy Parker walking through the hotel. Uh, there was also, let's see. Elle Magazine named the Algonquin as one of the 30 most haunted hotels in the world, noting that during renovations to the hotel, Parker's voice could be heard also, uh, tearing the construction workers to absolute shreds. (laughs) You call that molding? (laughs) I'll show you molding. And she appeared. They were like, oh, fuck, you're molding. (laughs) A photograph of her even flew off one of the walls and shattered on the floor during the construction time. Hmm. And there's a go ahead. You have you had a thought? I cut in. No. Okay. You sure. Sure. Okay. <laughs> there's a pretty famous portrait on the uh, on of the Algonquin Round Table hanging in the lobby restaurant still today. It's got all the members there. Mm-hmm. Harpo Marx is in it, and all the other all the other chuckleheads are in it, and Dorothy Parker is in it, of course. And uh, actually, I could just I can show you a picture of it. Yeah, I have the ability to look at things. <laughs> just as I'm saying this, I thought, well, maybe I should just show you. It. I wish Patrick could see this photo. Uh, it's so good, Pat. You'd love it. I really wish that mm-hmm. you could see it. Too bad you got that eye surgery. <laughs> <laughs> they took all Too your, bad extra your eyes eye teeth out. removed. <laughs> <sighs> so let's do this. This is it. These are our friends of the round table. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Dorothy. Clearly, that withering, withering gaze. Mm-hmm. The only and woman in the whole in the painting. Which one is Harpo? Either this one or this one is probably Harpo. Probably this one is Harpo. Mark. I don't. Know, it doesn't matter. Anyway, that's Dorothy, the only woman. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so that painting hangs still in the in the ball in the uh, sorry by the uh, lobby restaurant. Hmm. Is there a reason there's an upside down cat in that painting? Just curious. No. Okay. No. Fair enough. Thank you for asking. No. Just normal stuff. <laughs> And over the years, there have been many, and I mean, there have been a lot of children who have told their parents that the, quote, mean woman in the painting, is Dorothy, mm-hmm. leaned out of the painting to shush them if they were being too loud or unruly. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. That's Can't a good one. like that. Yeah. 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 No. So that's horrifying. So she haunted the hotel for a really long time, but in the year of our Lord 2020, the NAACP moved its offices to Washington, D.C., hmm. and people were like, well, what do we do with Dorothy? <laughs> like, well, number one, we have to figure out which <laughs> parking spot she's under because we just had the whole thing asphalt. It's really, it's wild. I mean, seeing the photos of where she was, it's really wild. So they dug up her urn, mm-hmm. and they, they brought the ashes back to New York. Mm. And they finally, I don't know why it took so fucking long, but they reinterred her in Woodlawn Cemetery in the Bronx next to her parents and grandparents. Oh. Feels like a thing you could have done literal <laughs> decades ago. Uh. She was buried with her family 53 years after she died. And as soon as she was buried in an actual cemetery with her actual family mm-hmm. and not in a fucking file cabinet or an alley... <laughs> The ghost of Dorothy Parker disappeared from the Algonquin Hotel. 
Hmm. The managers who used to see her very frequently have not seen her since 2020. Wow. There's an interview that I read with one of the guys who, uh, the interviewer was the first one to tell him that her ashes had been reinterred. Mm -hmm. And he was like, oh my God, I had no idea. I guess that makes sense. I don't know how ghosts work, but yeah, I don't know. She just hasn't been here since this date. And they're like, that's the date she was buried. Wow. Whew. So no sightings have been uh, reported since. Hmm. So she is finally at fucking long last resting in peace. And uh, again, there's some really great stuff in the articles that we didn't quite cover. So check out the show notes as always, uh, because the links are all there to, to the articles that I use for sources. And that is a story of Dorothy's Dorothy Parker's ghost that is no longer haunting the Algonquin <laughs> Hotel in New York. What do you think? That's pretty exciting. I'm a little disappointed because I, uh, I guess I won't be able to afford to to stay in uh, in New York City. Anymore. But I don't have to because yep. she's not there anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So what's even the what's even the point? <laughs> you can't see a ghost of someone you've never heard of before. <laughs> what's even the point of going? Uh, so you're fine. But she knew the Jaws guy, so she's kind of famous, I guess. Well, she knew so, the Jaws grandfather. Yeah. I don't know if she knew. It's the Jaws all connected. Guy. It's a it's all a big. Okay. It's all a big flapper verse. It's all connected. <laughs> it's the flapper verse. <laughs> And that's our show for this week. Is This a Ghost is a production of Smith Show Media. Uh, the notes and stuff are taken by me, Clayton Smith. And all the good jokes are normally told by Patrick Dean, who did have surgery this week. So, you know, I don't know. Mm. I, you did a good job, though, I think. I'll so come back did, strong next You time. held your own. Yeah. Yeah, I but you, I think you did a good job today. Thank you. I appreciate Proud of you. that. Cool. Yeah, you're Do I get paid? <laughs> no. Our <laughs> audio editor is Jeremy Montoya. Our video editor is, is Jen Swanson. And we are so grateful to them. Um, is there anything else that I need to credit? I don't think so. I don't think so. We'll see you again next week for what is honestly going to be a real, real good episode of Is This a Ghost? 